This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Welcome to the Escape Hour. Lovely to see and hear you all. I mean, I know you're out there, uh, <laughs> but we are all here. The team is back Apart all from together. Russell. Apart from Russ. Well, Russ is sort of like a side member of the team now. He yes. very, very kindly offered to come in and share with us if we were short. But we have Stefan back. Hello. Welcome back, Stefan. Thank you. Thanks, Mary. It's great to be back. And we have Mark on the panel. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Fiona. Welcome to uh, the Escape Hour. Currently one minute past one. I'm a beautiful day in my mind. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's a little cold, a little dreary. I want warmer weather back. Not maybe 42, what, 42? degrees. Yeah, I was going to say but, 42. But, you know, come on. It's supposed to be summer and 16 degrees is not summer, I hate to tell you. It's supposed to crack a top of 21 today. I'm not I'm Have we not, not had that already? It. I'm not no. believing it there. But, you know, when we are travelling, it doesn't matter what the weather is because, of course, Stefan has just been travelling all the way through Europe and uh, we are going to talk about some of his marvellous mm. travels today. And what was the coldest temperature you had while you were away? Oh, it wasn't that bad. It's probably was around minus 10. That's uh, bad. Overnight. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, not I'm, that bad I'm, compared to what? I'm Siberia? From, I'm from Europe. It's not... Uh, I, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. But really. the part of France that you come from is coastal. Isn't it? it doesn't get that cold and snowy. It's not no, like it you're from Mont Blanc. No, it doesn't. It's, yeah, um, I was born in Marseille, lived in Normandy. It probably gets to minus six, minus seven. Mm, um, mm, so, yes, minus But the minus French ten. Alps gets much colder. Oh, yeah, much yeah. colder than that. But minus ten was but only for a couple of days. Uh, not even not days during and the night. And where was that? That was in Bulgaria, in Sofia. Bulgaria. Bulgaria. We're going to talk a lot about Bulgaria because I don't think many of our listeners have been there. But if you have been there, let us know. I'd oh, love yes, to hear about please. your experiences. Yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, Bulgaria in the second half of the show. You can let us know your experiences or ask your questions about Bulgaria. SMS 0427, join 949. That's 0427 569 949. Or email on air at joy.org. Fiona, you were also traipsing around this crazy brown land of ours. I was in the greeny part. <laughs> the Emerald the greenie, Isle. The Emerald Isle of uh, Tasmania. Yeah. And, you know, I'd been to Tasmania a couple of times, but I hadn't really ventured much out of Hobart. So um, my partner and I were on a motorbike, mm. a very high-powered high, high powered motorbike. I just sat on the back. <laughs> and we toured around uh, Tassie, and we had a marvellous time. Uh, it's the Isle of Food and Drink, and we definitely could got a lot of that in. I'm quite a foodie. Uh, my partner loves to consume lots of interesting alcohol and there's lots down there. Did you know that so there's 110 gin distilleries in Hobart? I mean, in Tasmania alone. 110? 110. But gin. How, gin. How, how, and a lot of whiskey, of course. Where? Where are they all? It's, it's where, they're, they're just everywhere. I'm, I mean, you know, you've got a side of The inebriated brewery. aisle. The inebriated <laughs> aisle. Well, for all the visitors, anyway. So we, um, we took the spirit of Tasmania. And then you went and had Tasmanian spirits. And I had Tasmanian spirits. That's exactly oh. right. It was all oh. very... Bada bing, bada boom. That's why this is a volunteer radio station. <laughs> 
I don't know. I think some of the jokes they crack on commercial radio stations are, you know. Uh, anyway. Yep. Um, Let's talk politics now. <laughs> so we had a wonderful time. We went on a wine tour through the Tamar Valley. We spent a little time in Launceston. We went to Freshenay and mm-hmm. um, I hiked the most crowded trail I've ever been on in my entire life. Cradle so, Mountain? No, not crowded. Man. I so tell us about that. that. You posted on Facebook. And I was equally as surprised as you that well, how look, many people were there. I will admit it was uh, peak season. So it was, yeah. you know, a couple of days after Christmas. Um, I was warned that it would be a very, very popular mm. trail um, because you've got the Lookout Trail, which is from Fresnay in Fresnay Park area. You've got the Lookout Trail, which is like a, a brief sort of 30 to 40 minute walk, which gives you the Lookout. And it's one of the most famous Lookouts. Mm. I yeah, mean, the, the, um, statistically, the number of people that go to this spot. And so I knew it was going to be busy, but I had no idea. I mean, you're talking about entire busloads of people that make this walk, like, on mm. mass. So was it? Hundreds. I mean, it, it's worse for the view, but was it really enjoyable? Well, yes. I mean, I, I love I love being out in, in nature and I love mm. going on walks. So I did the walk to the lookout and then I and went then. down uh, to the actual wine glass bay mm. and swam in wine glass bay. There was a lot less people there. That was really beautiful. And, of mm. course, interestingly, I always thought that wine glass bay was because it was shaped like a wine glass. In actual fact, that's not why it's called wine glass. Oh, wow. Bay. So, mm. Well, because uh, that was the centre or well, one of the many centres for whaling. Uh, during the uh, period of time when uh, people were destroying mm. and killing whales and seals all over the place. And they, they called it Wine Glass Bay because there was so much blood in the bay, it turned oh. wine-coloured. Oh, that's much reason. more macabre than why that rather romantic called. view that oh, it looks like, it a looks like a wine glass. <laughs> So I, I did learn something then. Oh. Anyway, it was incredibly, incredibly crowded um, on certain parts of the hike, and I seriously advocate the Tasmanian government. They need to think about ways that they can not limit numbers, but maybe manage, manage numbers mm. better. I mean, yeah. you know, in other countries, like if you're in New Zealand, they only have certain people, a number of people on the yeah, hikes. Yeah, you have to uh, book tickets and to go to a particular time. I mean, and it you controls know, people to go through. Exactly, yeah. allocated times. Um, I mean, the trail itself. You can't go off the trail because the bush that's right next to it mm. is so impenetrable. You're just like, I'm not stepping into that bush. So the trail itself is not going to get overly damaged because they've made the trail such that it can be tromped on by lots and lots and lots of people. Mm. And, of course, obviously from Wine Glass Bay there are extended hikes you can mm. do which yep. are, are very beautiful. Um, so we did that and then um, we explored Hobart. We went to Mona, of course. We saw the marvellous James Terrell uh exhibitions mm. that are on there which I've already been to before but I had to go again So James Terrell, talk about his art So James Terrell is a famous um, I think he's uh, American or Canadian I'll have to look that up a uh, famous artist who works with um, large scale Look, I don't want to call them environmental because some of his work is, is outdoors but large scale light installation pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a big e- retrospective exhibition in Canberra uh, a couple of years ago which I couldn't get to. I first saw his work at Naoshima in Japan. Oh. So what he does is he creates these light pieces which are fully immersive. So the one in Mona, you go into an egg basically All right. two at a time. You absolutely have to book for this experience and you lie down and 
it is like sonic eye waves of colour. There's a little bit of sound, but it's just all absorbing. And so you're in this giant coloured egg that just keeps changing colours and it's it's amazingly mm. intense. Um, they give you a lot of information beforehand because they say, for example, if you uh, suffer from epilepsy, oh, okay. serious things like that, you would probably be not advised. Um, he's also done, you know, then he has the opposite scale of that, which is where you go into a completely, completely darkened room mm. where it's sensory deprivation. Um, so as a counterpoint. So the James Terrell, and he's got a few other things happening over there, is amazing. Um, then we're in Hobart, then we're in... So what was your favourite booze? My favourite? Well, we drank a gin that was made with um, sheep's milk. Oh. Oh, That sounds a little... That sounds... like feta uh, no. schnapps. No, so basically it's completely clear. So it's, it's not cloudy in any way. So there was a farm... A, or congealed lumps of feta in it. No, that does sound a bit gross. But It's like Goldschlager, but dairy. You don't even notice it until you... I mean, if I was to give you a glass, you wouldn't notice that it had anything in it that was uh, from, made from dairy. Mm. But when you know that's what it is, there is a slight sort of mouthfeel that can bring on something. You go, oh, actually, maybe I can feel it in there. Right. So, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Did, did you get to find out why they decided to <laughs> add dairy to, to well, gin? Well, you know, I think the thing is, is that gin is the game these days. It is. And it's they really have is, yeah. a sheep uh, milking farm which is um, in a place called Bridge Bridges Bay which is kind of opposite Bruny Island. Um, and they were milking their sheep and then I think they just sort of stumbled well, on this Let's make some gin out of it. <laughs> stumbled on this idea of incorporating uh, the sheep's way into the gin making oh, process. Oh, it's the way from the, oh, right, it's okay. the way. Yeah. God, you wouldn't want to fall asleep around their place. You might end up in a gin. You might. They, they are very, very, very uh, clever people and we went to their uh, we went there and we ate cheese and drank gin and it was delicious. Wow. We went to some cideries. I don't even like cider and it was delicious. You know, places like Willie Smith. Were they all apple-based? Because I know the apple aisle is famous for its apples. Well, yeah. I mean, interestingly, it was the apple aisle for many, many years until there was a deal done with, um, I think, China to start sourcing a lot more apples from other countries. So this was a trade deal that was done in Australia. So all of a sudden, the apple aisle lost like a massive part of its um, industry. So it has to be... Um, oh, oh. I don't think that's going to work going very well, well down there. Going well today. <laughs> so they've had to completely reinvent themselves and that's how they've got so many beautiful wineries. I mean, mm. some of the So wineries. they went nuts. Yeah. Anyway, I would highly recommend a, a trip to um, Tassie. Tassie for everyone. Mm. It's just a great destination. I don't know anyone that's been to Tassie recently who hasn't absolutely raved about it. Mm. The weather was brilliant. How'd you get there? Always. The spirit of Tasmania. And motorbike, overnighter? Motorbike, overnight. Look, the accommodation was extremely expensive wherever we went because we you were in peak, peak season. season. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, and I but what don't was the quality like, like? Overall, very, very good. Yeah. Uh, I don't like staying in caravan parks over the summer holidays because I don't like children that much. Yeah. So uh, we, fair enough. They're not we really decided staying in nice accommodation 
So, you know, it's not a cheap holiday. Mm. Yeah. By the time you pay for your cabin on the Spirit of Tasmania and the accommodation and then the meals out and then buying bottles of gin and shipping them back to Melbourne and, you know. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's not a cheap vacation, but it was certainly, you know, a high-quality one. Mm. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that sounds fantastic. Really. I mean, spent a bit of time in Launceston, which I'd never been to before. Oh, yeah. So it's a pretty town, isn't it? Yeah, it's very pretty. Very leafy. Pretty. Mm. Prob- possibly a little bit boring, but uh, I had a great time. Did a beautiful hike in Cataract Gorge. Ate in a couple of lovely restaurants. Yeah. I don't think they sell Launceston as a place that's overly intriguing, but mm. it is pretty. Yeah, I think it's every, like the nature around it is what exactly. There's a lot just to sort of stay as a hub. And, and we did a champagne up. tour, a self-guided champagne tour, where we went to some champagne houses, and I asked one of the um, winemakers, "Why are there so many? Sh- There's like five champagne, or sh- shall Spar- we say, sparkling yeah, wine spark- houses <laughs> yeah. um, in this one area of the Tamar Valley, and." Uh, apparently, if it's at forty-one degrees south, and and the Champagne region in France is forty-one degrees oh. north, and apparently you can just drill through the earth. It's <laughs> like up. a parallelogram. That's exactly right. That's so. That's what they claim, and it's a combination of you know environmental things that seem to right, mm. and know, the soil, and how the grapes, the soil, and the you know grow. because it's relatively mm. close to the coast, it's yeah. an uh, even temperature. Anyway, so it is the sparkling wine region of Australia. Mm. Yeah, oh, oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Fantastic sparkling wines come out of Tasmania. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, the two. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that was my little jaunt. But we that's were talking um, before the show, the, um, some flight bargains with Stefan and um, some places you can go. And it's interesting you were saying how expensive it was because there are some destinations you can go. It's only a slight financial bump up to business class, mm. particularly well, during peak season because absolutely. families have filled mm. economy at the higher prices and, and no one's sitting in business class. So um, with a little extra, and that's not for everybody. Not everyone no, wants to dedicate their resources that way. But tell us about some of those prices you'd found, Stefan. Um, for, for Bali. For Bali. Oh, yeah. I, I was looking around to, to go to Bali in, in January and um, um, you can find some business class flights where you have a Garuda. Full, yeah. Yeah, the national carrier. National carrier for around... A little bit less, a little bit more than the economy flights, and That's you've, and you and you yeah. lie down. I mean, it's only six and a half hours, or so, but you you know, if you have an overnight flight, and you can actually afford to then go back to work the next day and not take yep. an extra day leave, which is I think is the advantage. And when you balance that out against the cost of not working or or using mm. that leave, and at, at another time, I think it's worthwhile. Because a lot of the uh, flights out of Bali are, 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 are and even if you get you know if you get four hours. Yeah. You probably can function for and, a day. And the other thing is that if you haven't way. had any experience with business class, That's, this yeah. is probably the least expensive business class because it's a short leg flight. Yeah. I mean, I have flown business class um, on Garuda and, or no, first class on Garuda because somebody else bought mm. me a ticket and it was delightful. And yeah, so um, a lot of business class is prohibitively expensive and that's why people don't fly it. You know, yeah. it could be three times the economy price. But what I would say though is you have to be really careful which airline you choose out of Australia to Indonesia because the business class product will be completely different. So if you fly, yeah. f- you fly with some uh, Other flag, ca- flag, yeah. flag carrier yeah. from Australia, you will end up in a seat similar to economy seat or premium economy. And then, whilst if you fly with 
Garuda or others, yeah. you will have a fully flat bed. So it's it's That's really true. you have to be really careful. Not all airlines are equal. Mm. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> You're enjoying ninety four point nine. If you've got any comments like a we have a comment <laughs> oh. like our love Tazzy comment here, who feels drunk just listening to <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you um, SMS message from six two three. Oh my god, I'm drunk just listening. Love Tazzy. <laughs> yeah. Yay. You're at Joy 94.9. If you've got some more questions, particularly with regards to Bulgaria or particularly Sofia, mm. where you stayed, let us know. You can message us on 0427 Joy 949 or email on air at joy.org.au. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Welcome back to the Escape Hour. We have Mark... Stefan and Fiona, and we are talking all things, well, up until a few minutes ago, all things Tassie, and quickly moved on to flights, and I think yeah. that we're going to now head via a, a, an aeroplane uh, with Stefan to Europe. Yeah, because the the whole point of talking about flights, which I was thinking mm. weighing into the next thing, is when you're having a look at flight, most people look on their comparative websites, most people look book themselves, they don't go to travel agents, but if you go to a travel agent, or you do um, look when you're searching, but also include the business class option mm. um, instead of just looking at economy, which I always look at economy. And uh, it's surprising how many airlines on particular legs have really good offers for business class. It mm. might be an affordable treat or in a way to extend as Stefan was staying another day because you can sleep overnight on a flight. Certainly beneficial if yeah. you're going for work as well. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. It, it's worth considering. And, uh, I mean, and sometimes it's not that much more expensive. And you have to, but you have to balance out what you would yeah. want to do with the extra money as well. And sometimes it's it's not worth it because you can do much more. So and depending on your means as well. And, uh, yeah, but a lot of different yeah, things. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. But you flew business class. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. And you I, also I, flew I, it on the longest <laughs> flight. Yeah, we've decided but to. That's to, also a good reason to fly. Mm, decided class. to fly from Melbourne to Perth, then on to London um, with um, with Qantas, which has been flying that for a few months now. Yeah, it's quite famous for the longest leg in the world. I think going out it's 17 hours and 45 minutes. Coming back is a little bit shorter at uh, just the 16 and 30, 16 hours. Because the world's turning. <laughs> because of the, the prevailing winds and yeah, and all that. So, um, I, I, f- I mean, I didn't find it that long because we were in business class, but um, James, my husband, uh, the, we, for reason that I don't need to go into, we flew on separate aircrafts on the way out. So he got there before me and I got there 10 or 15 hours later because there was some some uh, problem with my flights. But when I asked him how, how was the flight, because I hadn't done it at the time, he said it was it was a bit long. <laughs> that was, that was, long the, that was the thing. Because when you think about it, you know, if, even if you sleep for eight hours, you still have another seven or, or eight it, hours, or, or another eight or nine hours to go and yeah. uh, there's only so many f- films you can watch uh, however on the way back because we flew on New Year's Day so there was New Year's Eve party we went to in, in Paris with some friend only slept for two and a half hours so I was able to get a good nine nine hours sleep and that felt quite reasonable um, 
And then, but there's still, there was another, I probably watched another couple of movies. And then what happens? How do you feel when you land in Perth and then say, oh, I've got to ride, I've got to, it's like another four, four hours, hours well, to get home? But at least you can stretch your legs. Well, you can stretch like if we were in business, so you can, we have a shower. They've got, they've got this, you've got access to a lounge. They've got this thing where they do, they, there was a, a, a person, and I was felt a little bit sorry for her because nobody took her off her, but she was doing a <laughs> relaxa- relaxation and stretching class. Um, <laughs> but I must say that we, we got into Perth early, so instead of an hour and a half in Perth, we had next to two hours, near to two hours, and I just, I just want to go there. I've had enough. I've had enough. I just want yeah. to get back on that plane and get to Melbourne. Um, yeah, get uh, in your own house just, for the stages. Yeah, so uh, at that home. point, I thought, yes, I've had a shower because I asked the attendant, you know, one of the lounge person, I said, well, when are we going? I said, well, just go and have a shower. I said, no, I've had a shower already. I don't want the second one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm clean, I just girl. want I'm clean. to go. <laughs> when are we boarding? Just move this bucket of bolts. <laughs> and because, um, yeah, because there are some people that would prefer to fly a few shorter flights, you well, know, stopping yeah, Singapore yeah. or Dubai mm. and, you know, sort of extend yeah. it. That's another way of travelling. And just get off a plane. But then again, if you have to get somewhere... And you want to get there quickly. Yeah, it's not mm. a bad option. So, no, but it, it was a good, you know, they couldn't be, the people on the flight, the, 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 uh, the flight attendants were brilliant, they were very caring, I mean, obviously in business you get a different service as well, but they were, the food was good, the, the alcohol was good, um, uh, yeah, it, it, was, it yeah. was fine. Um, yeah, it's a very different experience. Oh, it's fa- it's, I'm sure. I don't know that I would want to do that in, in economy because I don't know that... You can actually relax and sleep and not get annoyed because the. I mean, what I found difficult in in economies, the people around me that keep moving, that keep poking your seats with the yeah. you know the in-flight entertainment, and you, your head moves backward and forward That's constantly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then people that want to go to the loop, people that want to do this, and and I don't know that I would have the patience for seventeen hours for that. Yeah. So I might want to stab somebody. <laughs> um, I get it. I get it. I uh, get but it. You yeah. know, I've flown um, a lot of economy long haul, yeah, and it's so have I, and that's why very frustrating. frustrating. Uh, mm. It is quite frustrating. But you know, if you can, and and we can, we could at the time uh, do it yeah. in business. We just decided to do that. And, I um, think that yeah. my mum and dad have a have a, a really good policy. They, uh, you know, uh, obviously at the age where they take a lot of river tours as we know they're very popular these days and so what they do is they spend the money on business class tickets they're in their 80s or Mm -hmm. late 70s and then they get uh, lower berths on the boat because we're not going to spend that much time in our be- in our room on the yeah. boat. We're going to be out and about. Yeah, so, so they spend the money on the journey. They spend the money on the flight <coughs> to be more comfortable and then they so save money on the boat. I think that's right. It's all about balancing out what you want to do. And also, I must say that I felt more rested when I got there. So it didn't take me three, three days to get over this long mm. journey. Mm. And I went back. To, uh, we landed in Melbourne on Wednesday evening. I was back at work on Monday. On the was back at work on Thursday at eight o'clock in the morning, and I, w- I was fine for doing a full day's work. And um, um, that's right because the cost of jet lag, which immobilizes, can be immobilizing mm, for some people. Yeah, and um, and you know, and uh, what I recommend people to do as well, and I think we've talked about it on on the show before, is to set your watch to the, ty- the to where you're going. So we boarded eleven fifty five in in London. It was around uh, 10 p.m. in 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 Perth, so had some food, 
and then went straight to sleep then and tried to already get into that time zone that rather is than, good advice yeah rather mm. than um than do that when you arrived here and arrived stefan here. tell us now you were flying to london mm. but london was not one i mean was only one of your destinations only one of the destinations so we, we quite did a lineup of destinations quite a lineup of destinations <laughs> <laughs> we were obviously being french and wanting to go over for christmas to see to be with my family we went to france we also went to england for a few few days uh germany to see catch up with some friends hadn't seen for a while and uh, Sofia, so Bulgaria, but just Sofia because we wanted somewhere special to spend our first anniversary. We got married last year uh, on 16th December uh, in France, so we wanted somewhere to, to celebrate. And it came, uh, it came about a little bit weirdly because um, we had somebody on the show that was talking about Georgia, and I was very, I don't know if you remember. That's right, um, yes, Aiden, the lovely Aiden. Aiden Raftery. Yeah. And I was really taken by his description of Georgia, and I was thinking, oh, I really want to go to Georgia, but it looked so difficult to get to from Europe. It's actually easier to get to from Australia because it's, you know, it's closer than when you're in Paris than having to go to Georgia when you need to fly by Turkey or Moscow. Oh, yes. So then I was thinking, well, I've never been to Eastern Europe, and we happened to watch a, a show on Bulgaria with, uh, with James, my husband, and we thought, oh, why not? Well... He didn't say anything. And I said, <laughs> I said well, why not? Look where we're going. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm going to book some flights to Bulgaria. And that's how we decided to, to go. And, and Sofia, because we stayed for only four, four nights, so Sofia was the, the, the focus. Um, and on the way, where else were you? Um, so Munich yep. as well. Um, and... Um, so talk to us about Munich. Munich, uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, Paris was lovely, family. Oh, Paris was lovely. Yeah. Um, and then England was lovely as yeah. well, also, although I found it really expensive. <laughs> I don't know. It's An exchange rate. Since, uh, since I've lived there. Uh, and, ah, okay, um, yeah. I want to say, in, uh, I, I don't know if... Uh, London was the only gay place we went to. We went to the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. Oh, yes. People have heard about it, and it was actually a fantastic evening out we had there. And in some way, I would, I would recommend uh, gay, lesbian, or GLBTIQ people to, to try. So what was special it about was, that place? What was special? Uh, it was a Tuesday evening, so you wouldn't expect a lot of things, but it was a, a, a show where they had a lot of... Um, it was a queer show, so they were really showcasing local artists and local talent. Um, and the, the ap- their approach to it as well was good because they had some. Um, they were. There was. They were. I don't know if I'm going to do it just. But I think they were. They had some bears in the audience, but not bears as do you not know, have we ever our brecky bears of. But there were people that you could cuddle if you felt. In, in some sort of distress or if you felt un, uh, unsafe mm. uh, or confronted by some of the... Or anxious of, of some or kind. Or yeah. anxious and things. So, so, and I thought that was really a good... Um, <laughs> that is gorgeous. That was really a good... Um, so there were vo- people that volunteered to do that. So they get to see the show for free because yeah. you have to... I mean, it's, I think it's six pounds to get in. And okay. also they then volunteer and support people that might be confronted by some of the act or might not be comfortable going out in in this queer space, um, even though being queer themselves. So, so I thought that was really something that I thought was really good. Um, yes. And then Munich. Munich. 
Munich. Yes. Uh, never been to Munich. Been to Germany a couple of times. Went to Hamburg and Berlin. Yeah. And Munich's very different, isn't it? Munich was very different. Mm. Obviously, being in uh, in December, there was loads of Christmas markets. Yeah. Uh, Alexanderplatz, which was one of the, the yeah. main past riddled with Christmas market and Bratwurst and um, Glühwein. Yeah. <laughs> which I am not a fan of Glühwein no. at it, all. Is it? It's wine. It's a uh, hot it, wine. It's mold wine. Mold wine. Mold wine. And it's not. Uh, some, Something I like, uh, yeah. But there was uh, one of the Christmas market was a gay Christmas market, so it was all. <laughs> oh, how divine! It was all pink, and there was pink. Right. So, in because they've got an area where there was a few gay bars, and is uh, that Maximilianstrasse? Yes. Yeah. So there was a Christmas market there, and where we we got one of those uh, mugs, and um, they had an apricot glue vine, which was actually okay. lovely. <laughs> Which I got quite taken by that. Um, I just think the, the name Gluvine is just such a... Definitely is not selling it. <laughs> G-L-U-H, glue, yeah, not G-L-U-E. Yeah. It just sounds like glue. It's it certainly s- does. Yeah. <laughs> but um, um, you, you were talking before that you did something a bit confronting while I, you were I did. There. I am... Um, so um, I, I come from... And that's from, not the gay Christmas market. No, it wasn't. No, that wasn't <laughs> confronting. That was quite lovely. Uh, um, I come from a, a, a family which is half Jewish. My, the, the, my dad's side of the family is Jewish and my mum's side is Catholic. And I've always obviously heard about the Holocaust and something. It's been something I've talk. And I always said to myself, I will not go and visit concentration camp. Mm. It was something I didn't want to do. Uh, I just thought it would be too difficult. And, um, and having seen movies, having seen all, all things. And then uh, being in Munich, very close from Dachau, mm-hmm. and I thought, I just I don't want to go, but I don't feel that I cannot go, being so close and being, you know, trying to explore this part of, of the history that is quite gruesome, really. Um, so we did go, and um, very, it was a very cold day. It wasn't minus 10, but it was around minus 2, minus 3, so already you had this atmosphere. I think it's absolutely massive. The, the, the area is massive because not only they had the, the concentration camp, uh, which was a prisoner camp, but also a SS training camp there. So the two together, the, the space, the area is absolutely massive. And the, so most of, the, most of it has been destroyed and then reconstructed for, for history, for to show people. Um, I think I didn't feel as confronted as I thought I was going to be because the history of that camp is that it wasn't an extermination camp by design. It was originally a prisoner camp, which then built up and they had a gas chamber. But in the history, when you, we did a guided tour and... Um, it wasn't stressed. as productive as other places. Well, they stressed that the, the, the gas chamber was never used there. Uh, for it was used for experiments, but not for mass extermination, like Auschwitz or Birkenau, where, where people were sent. Um, but I mean, despite that, it was quite confronting. You could see the evolution of uh, you know from originally the prison camp or working, mm-hmm. uh, where the the birth and and the, the condition were acceptable in a way because they were they had beds with little shelves and then it became worse and worse to mm. more people i think it was designed for something like three thousand people and they had thirty thousand at the end uh when it was liberated so it was quite awful mm. um yes um so that's and it's really 
As I say, it's not something I wanted to do, but it's something I'm glad I've done. I don't know that I could go to, to other camps mm. now. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, It is confronting. I went to school it's, in Germany and they made us. It was a part of the curriculum. They made us go. There, there were some school groups. There were yeah. some German school groups. And... Um, but Never again was the message. Yeah, to what extent, though, when you see what's happening in 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 countries like Hungary or Brazil mm. or you know all this the New rise Brazilian, of yeah. um, the rise of uh, nationalism and um, thing and populism, yeah. populism, yes. Um, I know that in my own country in France, the the National Front changed its name because yeah. it mm-hmm. wasn't popular enough. Uh, Is uh, Marine Le Pen? Yes. So what have they changed it to? I think it's something with the national. Uh, Rassemblement, uh, you know, national um, reemergence or something. Ah, oh, okay. Rather than national front, because national front obviously has got quite a negative. Well, yeah, Nazi. <laughs> yes. Um, and certainly, I mean, I know that during, you know, not that long ago in Paris, of course, there was uh, just those terrible, terrible uh, riots mm. that was... The Yellow Vests. The Yellow mm. Vests, which sort of, I think, from what I gather, started out as a protest on one thing and then just became like a free-for-all yes, for anyone who right. wanted to object or or protest. It's, and uh, It started out because the, the, the current government wanted to introduce a, a tax on diesel fuel. So for years in France, a diesel was promoted as the fuel, the, the cleanest fuel and the, the cheapest fuel that you could have. So a lot of people drive diesel car in France. And now in, in, in order to try to reduce pollution and to, to, mm. to meet the Paris Agreement, they've decided to introduce, to increase it. So, so diesel had lower taxes than petrol. So they, ha- they increased the taxes on diesel from <laughs> 1st January to... To make it at the same level as after encouraging people to buy diesel cars for decades. After, uh, yeah, absolutely. So there is a little mm. bit of discrepancy here. And then um, it's all, all, of course, the work, the, the workers who have mm. diesel utilities, of and course. Trucks and yeah. So that's what sparked that. Mm. And then, and then now the main thing was that people want, uh, like they do in Switzerland, being able to put up ideas for referendums. Mm. So that's one of the big... Uh, it's very much how the Swiss uh, electoral system works. Yes, they put ideas up a right. lot and the if, nation votes on them. If so it you, takes power if you get to a certain, hand, number yeah. of, um, but we were, a certain number of people that mm. support that idea. But we were actually caught up in, in some riots oh, in, really? in, in Rouen um, where... Um, yeah, because and we were tear gassed and everything. It was oh quite, wow! It was oh. quite a, quite. God, that a, would have been unpleasant, uh, an awful experience. It, was well, this around the anniversary? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. That was after. That was after Christmas. Uh, after Christmas, just before we went back to Paris for New Year's Eve. Um, you know, it, it, people were burning rubbish thing, and then there was the the riot police, and, and then we thought we need to go, so we went to a bar and had a couple of drinks and waited and waited, and then. It was still going, and so we really need to go back to our uh, place. And um, that's where there was still the tear gas going. And I was like, oh my God, it's. Um, wow. Yeah. But it was, it was quite. The, yeah, it was. Yeah, wow. So um, mm. <laughs> I didn't expect a tear gas story today. No, well, I, I, I just no, remembered it. it. Just, <laughs> exactly. I mean, as we were talking, it suddenly occurred to me that Stefan would have been in Paris mm. at that time. Mm. And I, I mean, we could talk a lot more about that, but I think that we'll move on at this stage. I was at work. I was riding my horse. I was microwaving a watermelon. My iguanas escaped. There are lots of reasons why you may have missed your favourite show, but don't worry, because our podcast team has you covered. They'll work through rain, 
hail and national glitter shortages to bring you the best bits of every show. Visit joy.org.au and click on the podcast tab or head to the iTunes Australia podcast store and subscribe to your favourite shows for free. Thanks to our podcasters, you'll never feel guilty about missing a show again. joy.org.au We've got Stefan, our own guest. Our oh. Stefan is our own guest. So just like the mafia, we hunt and kill our own. <laughs> <laughs> so you've just come back. Yes. You're in Munich. You're in Paris. But you're also... In Bulgaria. Mm. In Sofia. So we, we went from Paris to Munich on the train. I thought this would be a nice train journey. Mm. Um, I didn't factor in the fact that the train left at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and it got dark at four o'clock so we couldn't really, really see oh. anything <laughs> for oh. five hours yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, i mean still it was quite nice to get 300 kilometers an hour you know for oh yes yeah, um, so i caught the train through the gutenberg tunnel from um uh zurich to um milan mm. was, oh, yeah. that was fun yeah no, I, I quite like train journeys in europe i, <laughs> I wouldn't do them in in australia uh, because it's uh, but in europe it's 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 fun mm. um and we've got the right Population and it makes sense. Yeah, Trains make sense. makes sense, and because they've been such a a um, critical mode of travel for mm. so long, mm. they're really well oh, established yeah. and they're really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mostly, and mostly, a lot of people move by train. Yeah, and it, and it's cheap and, and, and it's cheap. Uh, it's, it's timely. Yes. Yeah, um, so and then we flew to Bulgaria, but via London somehow because of the flights we were able to to get mm. and um, uh, flew to Sofia. Um, and um, yeah, so tell us about Sofia. <laughs> well, it's not a place I kind of that we've heard hear a lot about. I mm-hmm. think it's um I had never been to Eastern Europe, so that's something I wanted mm-hmm. to do. And um, and Sofia kind of sp- sparked my interest. So got into it's it's part of Europe now. So if you've got a European passport or Australian passport, it's quite easy to get into. You don't need visa or anything. Um, they don't. They're not in the eurozone, but ev- the but the, the the currency, which is the lev, is pegged to the euro. So again, if you're a European or if you've got euros, it's easy because the, the exchange rate is not going to change. You know exactly what mm. you get for your euros, and it is still a country which is relatively cheap compared to the rest of Europe. Um, Right, because of the accommodation that you had just sounded palatial. Yeah, it was palatial and we cost us an equivalent 120 Australian dollars for a night in a five-star hotel um, and we got a nice suite um, Mm. as Mm. an upgrade Mm. uh, somehow, Mm. which was absolutely lovely. And um, and that hotel happened to have a French concierge who spotted my name and st- came to me and started introducing himself in French to me and and actually was brilliant in organising quite a lot of restaurants for us. Um, so we sp- sampled traditional Bulgarian food and as well. And he had been, um, he, I mean, he has as a concierge obviously explored the the scene food and being French, um, and he was telling us about the different type of uh, Bulgarian food there is and the scene now. So they've got shows like MasterChef, and they've got this really expensive restaurant which are quite. Um, he described them as pretentious because they tried to replicate those things and and um, and it's, it was telling us that they're not the best value for money restaurant because they overcharge for what yeah. you get. Oh, okay, so what um, do you? How do you typify sort of Bulgarian 
food, cuisine. food, yeah. What was your experience? Uh, well, we so we went um, to a couple of restaurants that were kind of traditional Bulgarian food, but with a, a modern twist. So mm-hmm. using meat, um, I think they, they use a lot of pork, uh, duck as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had some um, rich. Fairly rich, but also a lot of root vegetables because of, uh, of uh, you know, the, the so potatoes, carrots, turnips, mm, this mm. kind onion. of onion. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Um, so I think th- I mean the, the food we had was uh, was really good for for. Well, uh, apparently the Bulgarian cuisine is is one of the the more prized cuisines of Eastern Europe. Is it? Yes. Oh, so, that's what I was reading about yeah. today, and there are certainly some really well-known national dishes. Um, <coughs> you know, it sort of has influences from the Greek um, influences. You know, Turkey, you have moussaka, and yeah. you have other sort of Turkish elements: yogurt soups and tripe soup. <coughs> and yes, yeah, so I didn't sample the tripe soup. Oh, um, Ooh, no. we did have a lot of uh, we did have some cured meat as a as mm. an appetizer, you know, as an, a starter, and that mm. was quite lovely. Mm. Um, it's less so if you're vegetarian, obviously. Um, but um, much in the way of seafood, because it's on the Black Sea. It is on the Black Sea. Uh, it's not something I looked into because uh, James doesn't eat seafood, so it's kind of usually ruled out. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I might have had some salmon. Yeah, uh, but that probably wasn't from the Black Sea. <laughs> I don't know if salmon comes from the Black Sea. I don't, no. think, I don't think it was from the Black Sea. Um, so uh, uh, the wine industry, I believe, is massive also in Bulgaria. Yeah, we've sampled a few wines mm. and um, that's they were really, really nice. So what kind of... Uh, red. Red mostly, red. Mostly we red. Had. Sort of light um, or a, a deeper? Is it deep, quite, quite, uh, quite so deep. So not like a Shiraz. Shiraz type uh, wine. And now that I just remember you talking about gin and we were in a bar and we could see this, um, we could see the, the barman doing this kind of con- uh, this concoction with a, an ice cube. So Bulgaria is also very famous for growing roses and a lot of um, perfume makers source ah. their roses in Bulgaria. Oh. Um, and so we, I could see something in an ice cube. So the next day we went back to that bar and I said, well, what was that, um, that drink? And said, oh, it's just gin tonic. And, oh. Uh, I said, no, there was something in the, in the ice cube. I said, oh, no, it's, it's a rose. So there was a rose in the ice cube and then they sprayed, so instead of gin tonic, Hendrix gin, and then sprayed with rose essence. So you had a very subtle rose water. Rose scent. Yeah. Rose water scent with your gin and tonic. That which, sounds that sounds ideal. We need to bring that to Australia. <laughs> which was I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this rose actually, water gin and tonic. Absolutely lovely. Yeah, it was, um, and that came across that just by accident, mm. just by asking, mm. "Oh, what was that?" Mm. Uh, because it looked weird. I was wondering what was in that ice cube. Mm. Um, mm. Interesting. So yeah, it was. Uh, so the the ice was infused with rose and also the essence. Uh, and what was it like getting out and about in Sofia? So it's very easy. I think Sofia is quite compact, and, and so we walked to most places. There is um, so there's a lot of churches, um, t- traditional Russian Orthodox so churches, Orthodox, yeah. uh, but also Catholic. So uh, okay. different. There's mosques. So th- and there is a, a square where they've got a mosque, a synagogue, and a church 
just within the wall, all, oh, okay. within, all facing this, each other, all facing each other, and uh, with no problem. We visited a synagogue, which is one of the, um, and I expected it to be Eastern European Jewish synagogue, but mm. it's not. It was one of the Sephardic right. uh, synagogue, the the only one they have in 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 Eastern Europe, because they had quite a lot of immigration from Spain, Spain. right? So, um, which is the second biggest um, synagogue in um, Sephardic synagogue in. Um, um, in Europe, mm. so mm. Um, so very famous cathedral, Alexander Nevsky Cathedral with mm. a gold dome, so which you see in all the pictures, mm. and 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 the, the 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 room we had was facing that synagogue, so it was absolutely beautiful view, um, and we visited that. Um, and as I said, very compact. They've got the uh, there's two lines of underground, oh. um, but you can walk to most places. It's uh, it's really easy. And if you were perhaps you know you'd seen a couple of churches and you felt like you'd done kind of that historical component, what other things would you see in Sofia? I mean, is there some museums or art galleries? So there, there are museums. There's, there's art galleries as well. We um, we went to a uh, opera uh, because Ooh. I don't know. I had this I had this thing that I. I I wanted to see a classical. Uh, James is a piano. It plays the piano very well and, and likes classical music. So we, we, um, and they were. So when I inquired about what to see, it was quite difficult because the you know they use Cyrillic alphabet. So websites were challenging to. Right. To so test. there wasn't a lot of English <coughs> translation. No. So I emailed the hotel. I said, "Listen, do you know what shows would be on?" And they said, "Oh yes, we've got Mamma Mia." <laughs> Which is Mamma Mia. But yeah, first time in Bulgaria, we can get you tickets for that. And I said, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> She's right. Um, but they had the, the, the Traviata was on. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and so we went to see the Traviata. Uh, and it uh, was sung in uh, a traditional, in Italian? In Italian. It was yeah. sung, in, sung in Italian with, uh, with subtitles in Bulgarian and English. Oh, okay. So it was easy to. But it's, I, I kind of felt it's, you know, it was something magical for me to be in, in uh, opera theatre in Eastern Europe. I don't know why. Mm. This was probably a romantic idea. And for did me. it fulfil the romantic it idea? It did. It was absolutely brilliant. Well, that, that sounds wonderful. It, it, then. Was, it was brilliant. And um, yeah, so we wanted to see something cl- either classical music or opera, um, but not Mamma Mia. <laughs> no, uh, not in anybody's language. I don't think that's classic. Uh, cla- I think it's a classic, <laughs> not classical. <laughs> Mark, you're on fire today. Yes. I tell you. Um, but it's ABBA. <laughs> so they do have a, a very well-known philharmonic orchestra as well, but it wasn't playing at the time. They weren't playing anything at the time. So mm-hmm. uh, that was. Um, so there are other things to do, but it, it is mostly old ruins. Um, if you ski... In the summer, um, 20 minutes from, from the city centre, there is the Mount Vitosha, which is a ski resort. Um, so they've got ski lifts and also you've got beautiful views of, the, um, of, of Sofia. And on the way, there is a, a, a church, which is 600 years old church, with um, very, very small, with ceiling painting predating some of the ceiling painting in Italy so you can only visit this church or if you make an appointment they only allow eight people at the time it's UNESCO listed so you don't want oh to wow um, and you it's can a world all, heritage yeah site. world heritage site only ten people in the church it's called Boyana church and uh, only ten minutes so eight people for a maximum of ten minutes 
and um, and there's a guide in there that tells you everything. And she was um, she actually was more comfortable speaking to us in French than in English, which was uh, which, which was interesting. Which brings up the question: How easy is it to travel around uh, Bulgaria? Do people speak? English think, or French or anything else for th- Bulgarian and Russian? I think in, because we were in Sofia, most people were very... And we were in the hotel, you know, that uh, five-star... English was easy. In the restaurant we went to, they had menus in English or in, Bulgarian. in Bulgarian. Right. So it was very easy. Mm. Um, as I was saying, booking... F- Booking tickets for the that opera was difficult, so that's why I mm. I, I emailed the hotel. Yeah, uh, because it was even with translation from now the, most browser can do translation. It yeah. wasn't quite easy. Mm. But then we realized, being there, that you can. I mean, being a French speaker, and I don't know English the same. Some you can actually recognize some words that are in Cyrillic, but this looks similar to yeah. French words, for example. Um, which was interesting. I'm not saying... I'm There'd be some Latin-based words, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, we could so. piece together. Love listening to Joy Podcasts? Why not volunteer for our program production team and help us reach a greater audience so more people can enjoy our fantastic LGBTI content? Email me, Pete, to find out more. PPC at joy.org.au. Joy 94.9, your voice, your radio station. With the close of two th- 2018, why not review the year that was through Joy Podcast? The Babble Pop team ran through the top 12 picks for best songs for t- 2018. Macca and the team have, s- have spent some time putting together the 10 most downloaded SatMac podcasts of the year, and they're all available now, and the Escape Hours. The Escape Hour ourselves spent time exploring the biggest food and travel trends of 2018, but also upcoming trends all this podcast and many more available wherever you go wherever you get your podcasts joy podcasts where you want them when you want them thank you stefan for that we've had a um, a lovely donation i know we've had a lovely donation uh david from hotham hill donation of 14.95 thank you david that's a good 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 samaritan work today on saturday um and we will inspire. We hope that David will inspire plenty of other people to Thank you, David. donate the same. Mm. So uh, we're almost coming to the end of another escape hour. Uh, how quickly it goes! Mm. Um, so, Stefan, in in a wrap up on Bulgaria oh, and oh, Sofia, Sophia. you know, I mean, obviously there was lots of beautiful things that you saw and uh, delicious things that you ate. Mm. Uh, um, uh, would you encourage our listeners to go, or would you be inspired to return and see more of the country and Eastern European, Eastern Ab- Europe? Yeah, absolutely. I think I mean, Sofia is probably a, a city you can do in four to five days uh, in t- in terms of um, t- walking around doing things but there are a lot of other things you can do around I wouldn't mind doing some wine tours I would I wouldn't mind exploring the the the, the, the Black Sea coast as well apparently wow, it's, uh, it's mean, quite popular in, in summer and it's uh, it's uh, not well um, attended you know there isn't a lot of um, of uh, tourists yet mm. uh, going to to these places so, so it's quite it's, undiscovered yeah mm. yeah that's what that's the word I was looking for <laughs> you know I've been speaking French for the last five weeks and it's a little bit difficult. <laughs> um, 
some friends, when I told them I was going to Bulgaria, where it was saying, you know, because in Europe there's a lot of stag and hen parties that go to Poland mm. go with all this cheap flights. Latvia. And, Latvia. Yeah. And they, were, they said to me, oh, you probably come across that as well. And no, it's, I don't think Bulgaria is one of those destinations yet. So it's, it's still a place I would recommend uh, to explore. So what do you, how do you find it for LBGTI travellers? So we, it's part of Europe, so they can't discriminate, obviously. They don't have same-sex uh, wedding. But um, it's still pretty much a macho environment, right. and I think I wouldn't want to yeah. to display it in a, a affection between men, between women, this kind of things. So would, you and this, <laughs> hmm? would you go back? Would you go back? Yeah, because I didn't feel unsafe. So you know, mm. on my compass, compass, mm. I didn't feel unsafe. It didn't feel a, a situation, mm. a, a place that wasn't safe. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't hold hand yeah uh, but you know I, I don't do that in Melbourne anyway so <laughs> <laughs> this has been a great show thank you very much Stefan thank you yes well, thanks Stefan I, I might gonna, come back next week we'll have you back next week <laughs> so next week we are speaking uh, we are doing something a little closer at home the Mornington Peninsula <laughs> we will be having uh, Luke Gooley from Montelto Wines and Tux Ridge who will be coming in and he's going to give us some uh, hidden secrets of the Mornington Peninsula Fantastic. Thank you for listening to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.